of Milwaukee. This is nice. Hi, I'm uh, Justin McElroy. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I, as I just said, am your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. <laughs> okay, that's cool. Cool start to the show. Now, uh, if you could all just keep it down, we have a baby. Yeah, He's asleep pipe, upstairs, so just, just pipe down a little no, bit. Um, yeah, just don't get too rambunctious. <laughs> that's well, his brother's problem now. So yeah, what? Well, no, scream as much as you want. So uh, we we've been visiting here in Wisconsin. Uh, we went through the uh, Wisconsin Dells on our way here. Shout out! Shout out to the uh, Paul Bunyan Lumberjack Show. Wasn't it? <laughs> We didn't mean to stop there. The baby just needed to eat. So yeah. Wait, there we were. And we were like, where are we? <laughs> Sydney, have you, um, have you visited Milwaukee before? Uh, no, Justin, I haven't. But, you know, Milwaukee has certainly had its share of visitors. Uh, is that right? Yeah. In fact, French missionaries and explorers have been coming here as early as the late 1600s. Uh, in fact, isn't Milwaukee a Native American word? Uh, <laughs> yes, it is, Justin. It's actually pronounced Miliwake, which is Algonquin for the good land. Does this girl know how to party or what? <laughs> it's my favorite movie. Uh, well, oh, wait a minute. We don't have a transition. What is the show about? I, I do. Wait, oh, you do? Okay. I Go do. Away. No, I Pretend I didn't say that. We'll get it in post. Speaking of Native Americans. Okay, cool. <laughs> Uh, we've talked before about patent medicine. If, you're, if, a, if a podcast host starts a conversation that way, you're cool. <laughs> if your uncle does at Thanksgiving, you, you should just leave the room. If things are about to break bad. <laughs> well, we've talked before about patent medicines. Do Correct. you remember this? Do yes. You, you're familiar. I am. Because I told you about it. So well, you, yes. Okay. We are in the middle of a three-part series. You don't know this yet, but you are a part two of a three-part series during this uh, lovely Midwest tour of, uh, of patent medicines. Right. Heroes of patent medicine. Hero, heroes of <laughs> patent medicine. If you're listening, uh, I just did air quotes. And the way this ties in, more or less, to what we just did, is that uh, one of the... So, patent medicines, let's talk about what they are first. Okay. Okay. So, go ahead. I've told Ooh. you before. I'm going to let you... Oh. <laughs> I'm going to let you okay. educate everybody. <clears throat> Oh, well, Sydney, surprised you don't know. <laughs> well, little lady, just sit back. Let me explain it all to you. Uh, patent medicines are defined almost by their absence of having a patent. Because it, to get a patent in the way that we traditionally think of it would mean registering their ingredients with the government. And their ingredients were usually uh, poison and garbage. <laughs> So you don't want to put and that booze. on. And booze. You don't want to put that yeah. on a label. So the patent that they're referring to is actually a patent issued by uh, uh, royalty, basically akin to like a celebrity endorsement is, is how they would use patents. And these were really popular in the U.S., especially in the 1800s and into the early 1900s. And basically they were heavily marketed and advertised, but they didn't really do anything. And one of the most popular kind of themes that you'd find in patent medicine was to call on like the, the wisdom of the Native Americans to market their product to you. Like, uh, you know this is good because it's all natural. And we talked with some Native Americans and they told us <laughs> it was good. It was good stuff. 
we went to the trees that they were shaving bark off of and said, hey, let me get a slice when you're done with that. And any, anybody who wasn't white basically was seen as a great resource for kind of medicines that were closer to the land and more natural. So a lot of these salesmen would pretend to be some other ethnicity in order to, to sell more of their product. Can you give me an example? So our first hero of patent medicine that we want to talk about is Prince Nanzetta. That sounds exotic. It doesn't it? From uh, a distant land. From the distant land of Los Angeles. <laughs> oh. Yes. So he was from L.A. He was actually, his heritage was Mexican, uh, but he was from L.A. And he was a patent medicine salesman, and he wasn't very successful at first. He would stand on corners and just sell whatever, you know, mix of alcohol or opium or cocaine or whatever that people would buy that day. And he would use a, do you know what a triping keister is? No, ma'am. It was one of those, if you've ever seen like the suitcase on the tripod thing. Oh, you know? okay. And he Tripe. just... Yeah, I know. Tripe mean. and keister. Like the, wizard, like the Wizard of Oz had? Yeah. When he was crappy? Exactly. And like just a regular dude? At the beginning in Kansas. Right, when he was crappy. He was, well, he was just like, he was crappy. He was like, wasn't giant or green or anything. He was just a regular black and white dude. He's kind of crappy by comparison. Crappy. Well, when the prince was just pitching as just a guy, he wasn't selling very much medicine. So he was like, you know, people don't really know what ethnicity I am just by looking at me. So I could say I'm, I'm anything. So he made up this whole story about being from the Himalayas. And he said, so my family was captured by a tribe of Himalayan yak herders. <laughs> Notorious... The notorious Himalayan yak herders. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, all of my family was killed, but they spared me because they liked me, but they made me a slave because they didn't like me that much. <laughs> so it's like Princess Bride. It's basically Vampire Roberts, basically. <laughs> yes. And that's exactly what happened. Eventually they were like, hey, do you, do you want to be a prince instead of a slave? We like you a lot. No, no, no. Let me ponder it for a second. I might um, kill you in the morning. I don't really like working for free all the time till I die. So yeah, I guess prince sounds pretty good. So they made him a prince. Right. Can you just make somebody a prince? Don't you have to like Well, if your whole story is a complete and utter fabrication, I mean, you, I guess you can do whatever you want. Yes, and, right? <laughs> and as you do with princes, they taught him all of their medical secrets, of course. Right. Which That's is what, the first thing about being a prince. That's why it's so exhausting. You know all the medical stuff. And then, you ever see Prince in concert? If you, somebody breaks a bone in the first five rows, he's like, hold on one second. <laughs> Dearly beloved. <laughs> Dear, Dearly beloved, I need to make a splint. <laughs> You are about to get the sexiest splint anybody's ever gotten. It's pure velvet. <laughs> velvet splint. So, he, so the prince learned all of the medical secrets, and then one day he escaped, which, why would you escape? You're a prince. Yeah. Well, he learned all the medical secrets. He had to get out there on the road. So he escaped, and he brought him back to the U.S., and, and to support this whole story that he'd created in this, in this new persona that he had, he would wear these long crimson robes because, like, the people he was selling to, they didn't really know, like, what the appropriate clothing would be or what people from, you know, 
anywhere in the Himalayas looked like or would wear. So he would wear these long robes with gold trim, and he carried a sword in an ivory case. And he said that it was the royal sword of Tibet. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, does Tibet have a royal sword? What does it look like? I don't know. How flimsy is their customs <laughs> department there? Is this from... No, 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 no. Replica. Replica. Not real. It's fine. I'll just go ahead and take it. Take it through. He would wear a medallion that he said was the royal seal of Tibet. And again, like, there's no Google. I don't know. Maybe there was, it was Google, but it was just a giant book. And you, <laughs> only one guy could have it at a time. So it was like, who has the time to wait? <laughs> Check Google. Hold on. <laughs> um, this guy was so convincing. And this worked. He sold tons of medicine this way. And he, and he was so convincing that at one point, a politician that was popular in that time period, Mark Hanna, appeared with him on the campaign trail, like invited him to sit with him up on the stage as he was making his speeches and was like, take it from my buddy, Prince, Prince Nanzetta. Nanzetta. <laughs> he's got his royal sword here and he's going to vote for me, so you should too. I would. I mean, I'd vote for somebody who had the guts to do that, for sure. He also, one other fact about him that I really like, he had a valet that would carry around his, his sword or whatever, and he would get, the, the amount that he would get paid each day was based on how many times he referred to him as your royal highness in public. That sounds good, <laughs> but like could get obnoxious basically pretty quickly. Like, did you want ketchup, your royal highness? <laughs> I don't think it would. Do you want to, do you want to try that? Do you want to maybe? Oh yeah, I'll give it let's, a run. Let's give it a run today. Just give just, it, yeah, you know, we'll give just it a try. Trial see, run and see like. See how it feels. Try it on. Your royal highness. Thank you. There we go. Okay. No, it's fine. It's, it's really, it's fine. It's I fine. Like it. Yeah, okay, it's good. Yeah. No, keep that up. Feels right. So let's talk about somebody else. Okay. Okay. So another, another one of our favorite uh, patent medicine salesmen was J.I. Lighthall. J.I. Lighthall. Yeah, those are weird initials to have, like, in, like in, to Julio Iglesias. Julio Iglesias Lighthall. <laughs> uh, what's better, he was known as the Diamond King, and I think if I were him, that's what I'd go by. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's easier to remember. So the Diamond King was born in Illinois in 1856, and he left home at 11 to seek his fortune. 11? 11. Was he kidnapped by Himalayan Yakurt? No. He just left of his own volition, huh? He was not yet the Diamond King. He was the Diamond... Diamond uh, I guess. Elementary school student. Yeah, (laughs) okay. He called on his heritage. So, So as we talked about, something exotic or something that wasn't like a white guy was seen as like, oh, you have more wisdom, and so you probably know more about medicine. And he was one-eighth Wyandotte Indian. Wyandotte? Wyandotte. 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 And so he would use that, that, hey, I'm one-eighth Native American, to try to form relationships with Native Americans that he met in his travels. I'm sure that went over great, by the way. Uh, Yeah, I saw a lot of... Uh, uh, people try that in college and it never panned out very well. <laughs> oh, you're one, at, yeah, me too. I have like 116, 132, mm-hmm. something see, like that, some fraction better. of. <laughs> see, that I'm wearing? Yeah, look at my hair. See how it just lies flat like that? I'm like half Algonquin. <laughs> um, 
So he really did want to learn about Native American medical traditions. And so he, he really tried to study herbal medicine. He, he liked the idea that vegetables would be a great source of medicine. And so he tried to make all different kinds of medicine out of vegetables. Sesame Street has been trying to sell you that line for years, though. I don't see why this guy is such a bad... But uh, How many times do you ever see Popeye jam spinach and get huge muscles? Nice try. Nice try, science. Nice try. Now I know you're a fraud. But he wasn't, he wasn't having a ton of success. I'm assuming because at this point he's like, what, 12, 13? I don't know. I mean, yeah. Remember, he started when he was 11. Yeah, so. on the great... Listen, if an 11-year-old tried to sell me patent medicine, I would guaranteed 100% buy it. Especially <laughs> if he had scrawled the label like with crayon or whatever they had instead of crayon back then because it sucked. Like <laughs> charcoal. I don't know. Charcoal. Uh, and, I, and he was like, hey, mister, you want some stuff? It's, it's not poison and garbage, I promise. <laughs> and I would know it was poison and garbage and booze, but I'd buy some anyway, you know? <laughs> I might even take a bull just to placate that little guy. Well, things really took off for the Diamond King, I'm assuming after his voice changed, and then also <laughs> um, <laughs> when he met up with Dr. Neff. Dr. Neff. Dr. Neff. Dr. Neff was out uh, digging ginseng and ran into to the Diamond King. And they struck up a conversation, and he said, you know, we could really sell this stuff if you just stop trying to, like, talk about what it does and why it really works, and don't worry about the science so much. Let's just market it really well. And just say that they're all secret Native American cures that nobody else knows about. Okay. And so the Diamond King was like, okay, I'll try that. So he made a bunch of different medicines. He was the Steve Jobs of the pairing to the Wozniak of the Diamond King. Sure. I don't know. This is... Trust me. Trust okay. me. He was. Yeah, sure. He totally was. He was, it, was a, it was great. It was great. Okay. It was great. Somebody afterwards tell her how great that was. <laughs> it made a lot of sense and it was really apropos and a great pull. Just tell her later. Save my dignity. <laughs> So they started creating all these medicines together. There was Spanish oil. There was, their most popular was called King of Pain. Okay. <laughs> so wait a minute. Okay, hold on. This guy's like, okay, kid. <sighs> Big fat cigar. That's what this is. I'm just telling you. I'm not good with prop comedy and like invisible mime <laughs> stuff. So I'm just telling you, it's a big fat cigar. Oh, big fat cigar. Listen, kid, you got to get better at marketing. What's this one here? Uh, headache, tonic? That's no good. I got a name for you. King of Pain. It's a medicine called King of Pain. It's irony. It's going to be real big in 100 years. You're going to be ahead of the curve. <laughs> Trust me, kid. Where, where, where are you going? Hey, come back. I'm, I'm trying my best. I just need a shot. The thing about <sighs> the Diamond King... <laughs> He was really, he was really trying. I'm like Darth really... Vader there at the end, I'm sorry. <laughs> he was really trying to do good. He, he thought, like, he was really studying, like, herbal cures, and he was trying to, to help people. So when you look at, like, the recipes for things like that, like the King of Pain, and there was a blood purifier and an Indian hair tonic and all these different things, um, they were things like, okay, one recipe, rattle root, prickly ash, sarsaparilla, poplar bark, dogwood, wild cherry... But then all of them specify that you cut up all these, you get all these ingredients, you cut them up very fine, you fill a bottle half full of that stuff, and then you fill it up the rest of the way with whiskey. (laughs) 
and then you take it. And that is every recipe ends that way. <laughs> half whatever root, half whiskey. Somebody's been working out of my Nani's recipe book, because <laughs> most of her recipes end that way, too. Sometimes it's not even in the book. She's just like, trust me on this one, J-Man. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Nani, I love you. You're sort of kidding. We're sort of, I'm half, I'm one-fourth kidding, Nani. I'm worried about you, Nani. This is the venue I've taken here in Milwaukee to tell you in front of 600 of your closest friends from Milwaukee. Nani, I'm worried about you. <laughs> Love your son, the Diamond King. <laughs> Grandson. Whoa. Sorry. Slow it, slow it down. <laughs> slow it down. It's good. It's medicine. It's half medicine. It's halfway to medicine. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door. And not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? Pre-prepared, all I got in two minutes, I'm eating filet mignon. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious, and you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat, there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, 
you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So once he started adding whiskey to everything, he really took off. No kidding. (laughs) So this is when he started calling himself the Diamond King. And to keep up with that, that name, he had to, to look the part. So he started wearing like sealskin coats and hats, red velvet suits, jackets with big gold pieces on them for buttons, um, and then just covered in diamonds. He would sew diamonds all over anything like a red velvet suit covered in diamonds. It's a cool look. <laughs> Which, who else do you want to buy medicine from? <laughs> he, he liked to wear a sombrero a lot that he would tell people this was given to me by the president of Mexico. Um, and whenever he would come to town, he would be led by, like, brass bands, and he would have all kinds of, um, like, he, he'd recruit Native Americans to come along with him, and just, it'd be like a big party, and the band would come into town, and he would ride in a chariot nice. covered in gold. Nice. If any of you were uh, downtown a few hours ago, you would have seen us arrive that same way. <laughs> We demand. It's in our rider. Justin's red velvet suit that's covered in diamonds is actually the cleaner right now, so... Yeah, so I'm wearing this, but come back tomorrow. It's going to look good. (laughs) And he always kept a doctor on staff, which is something you see in a lot of these cases. You would keep, usually a doctor who lost their license because they were drunk all the time. That was typically the case. (laughs) Not me. Um, But you would keep somebody on staff so that you could say, when the feds showed up, be like, eh, look, I got a doc. He says it's great. He says it's fine. Yeah, it's good stuff. (laughs) Take it from me. I probably have one of those big shiny discs on my forehead. (laughs) I'm official. Look at my bag. (laughs) My leather bag that I carry around. The laws at the time were pretty much as long as you have a doc hanging out with you who's saying, like, yes, prescribe that, you're fine. Whatever it is, what, you know, you're fine. Yeah. Go for it. Um, but this was not enough for the Diamond King. He's wearing the suits and he's selling the whiskey medicine and he's making tons of money, but he wants something showier, something that'll, like, really draw crowds. So he decides to start pulling teeth. Awesome. In front of everybody like so he'd have the medicine show come in he'd set up his stage and he'd say who has rotten teeth (laughs) get up here here we go and it wasn't enough of course just to pull them in front of which who wants to watch teeth being pulled i mean i bet it's on youtube (laughs) i bet it has a million views somebody wants to watch that yeah no somebody wants to watch everything Um, youtube that's their slogan now by the way (laughs) But the reason people wanted to watch him pull teeth is how fast he would pull them. So he could pull up to 14 teeth in 19 seconds was his record. So that was really, that was part of the show, was just calling up volunteers and they'd strap them down to a chair and they would actually have like a band playing and the band would get louder as he was about to pull the teeth and like build up the suspense and then it would play really fast and he would just yank, 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 yank as many teeth out as he could. I hope it was losing my religion. Wouldn't that be the best? That would be the best. That would be transcendent. I'd I'd pay $30 to see that. Um, eventually the patient would either like pass out or start screaming or get loose of their like restraints and run. And then he would have to go on to somebody else. (laughs) 
Um, but he said, one, he told people it was painless beforehand. Okay. Which, I mean, if they had had enough of, of any of his Yeah, right. Products, Eventually it would be. Maybe. Wait long enough. Um, but because of that, at, he owned this huge house in Illinois, and he said that he paved the garden paths with human teeth that he had pulled so many. I don't know that that's true. I don't think that you would have paved over that, right? Like, if you bought the house that had that, like, you would probably preserve it. Like, you should be able to go see that. Nobody's going to cover that up. That's amazing. Do, do you think they say that on Zillow? <laughs> We've got granite countertops and stainless steel appliances and then the garden paths are paved teeth, in human teeth. And, and a jacuzzi? <laughs> well, it's not a jacuzzi. It's a pad for a jacuzzi. And it, yes, it's made out of human teeth. <laughs> Fine. Now, unfortunately for the Diamond King, he has a sad ending to his story. Uh, things are going so well. I know. I know. So he was at the height of his career, and he had just made these um, liver pads that you would wear. Liver pads were really popular in the patent medicine era, and they were basically, a, a lot of people thought that any problem you had, you were tired, you were weak, you just don't like getting up in the morning, it's your liver. Your liver is the issue. You need to wear something or take something that will stimulate your liver and give you more energy. And so liver pads were really popular. His liver pads were just these like sacks of herbs that you would hold on your side. A lot of them would have something like cayenne pepper or something in them so it would burn a little bit. By the way, before you laugh too hard, go to your local CVS. There are still liver pads available. (laughs) They go on your feet. Uh, and they remove toxins. Remove toxins. But, I mean, really, they just change color reacting to your sweat. But they're still available. You can buy some liver pads if you want. Now, now the, this true. These liver pads specifically were supposed to prevent smallpox. Cool. And here's the, here's the sad irony. As he was selling these liver pads and making tons of money, he died of smallpox. Oh, man. That's going to put a cramp in business. Both of the being dead, but uh, for sure. But also, um, that's not a good endorsement for the product, I don't think. <laughs> his legacy carried on for a little while because his wife said, well, wait, no, I'm the diamond queen. And she sold his meds for a little bit. Nice try. Yeah. Um, she got in trouble because she kept giving babies opium. So, so that was the end of her career. Spoil sports. <laughs> Maybe they just wanted 30 minutes to themselves. <laughs> For once. <laughs> Why didn't they just do a podcast? There you go. Can't bring a baby to a podcast. Sometimes so, we do bring a baby to a podcast. Yeah. No, no. We, you can't bring her out here. We learned that the first time. Oh, man. We did a show in, uh, well, some of you might have heard it. We recorded it in Huntington, and we had this great bit where we were going to pass the baby. You're supposed to pass a newborn <laughs> around something. So we were going to It's supposed pa- to be like under a, a under donkey, a, and instead we were passing her around a, in our credit, a Santa. <laughs> yeah, Santa, Santa or something. To our credit, we didn't try to pass around a donkey, but um, she didn't like that. Uh, so we learned our lesson the hard way. She doesn't come out anymore. Yeah. She gets to <laughs> sleep in the back. Um, I want to tell you about my favorite, though. This is my favorite, favorite. hero of patent medicine. Give me your favorite. Okay. So, Brother Jonathan. 
Um, Jonathan Maloney, better known as Brother Jonathan, operated towards the end of the 1800s, and he sold a, uh, sold, he sold a cure-all uh, called the Giver of Life. Now that's get that. See, that's right. all over King of Pain. Way better than King of Pain. And the thing about it is that he he wanted to market that name, the giver of life, all the time. And so as soon as he would meet you, he would introduce himself to you saying, hello, I'm Brother Jonathan, the giver of life. Why would he, why would he do that? So say it like under his breath, and then you would think like, you, you? You are the giver you, of life? You? No, it's just his medicine. Right, right no. Um, the formula for the giver of life was mostly water. Uh, so boring. this wasn't as fun. I know, this was a pretty boring one. He also had some other stuff, some Epsom salts, rhubarb, licorice powder, wintergreen and sugar, so it tasted pretty good, I would say. Uh, but he was criticized a lot because people would say, you know that's mainly just water, right? And he'd say, yes, three-fourths of the Earth's surface is water, so water is clearly the greatest. It's fine. <laughs> okay. And this worked. Yeah, well, of course... Back then, I, w- I wouldn't fall for that today, though. Don't worry, Sid. You'd fall for this I'd guy. I'd fall for you it in would a heartbeat. Fall for this guy. Yeah. He had so so bro- brother Jonathan, the giver of life. He had a long mustache. He wore a dark suit with a long coat. He had matching gloves and spats. He had the whole look going on. Um, he carried a gold-headed walking stick, and the inscription on it said, "To the giver of life from the children of Chicago." <laughs> I'm glad the children of Chicago could finally get together on something for once. <laughs> they always have their meetings. And they're like, we totally got it next time. No, next time we'll do something for sure. We got a lot of, uh, uh, we got to figure out, the, you know, the policies for the group and everything. For once, the children of Chicago are like, guys, this time we're going to do it. We're going to actually make an impact. We're going to buy a patent medicine salesman a walking stick. <laughs> Take up a collection. Um, everywhere he went, he would carry two books with him, a, a Bible. Yeah, saw that a, coming. And an anatomy textbook. As you cover all your bases. Yeah. Uh, like our other patent medicine uh, fiends, heroes. He also had an, a doctor on his payroll. He was named Fitzmorris. He was definitely an alcoholic because he was paid in quarts of old Kentucky bourbon. It's nice work if you can get it, I guess. Is anyone hiring? <laughs> yeah. Is the giver of life hiring? Wandering. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, some of us are willing. No, I don't like bourbon. No. But beer. Um, now, of course, like all the other doctors who worked for these patent medicine guys, he had lost his license. So this was pretty much the only gig that, that he could get that was legal. So what he would do is have consultations while the medicine show was in town. So Brother Jonathan would bring his show in town because that's all these people operated in medicine shows. You would have like this big medical carnival that came to town. And you could schedule a consultation with the doctor who was drunk and you'd sit down with him, <laughs> and he'd say, he'd listen to all your complaints and say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you need the giver of life. Next. And yeah, that was yeah. pretty much the whole... One size yeah. fits all. Exactly. Whenever he would show up in a new town, Brother Jonathan would, these were, this was his opening move. He would stroll up Main Street, he would introduce himself to the mayor, to the sheriff, and to the newspaper editor, and then he would head to the pharmacist, and he would give him as many bottles of the giver of life as he could fit on his shelves. And, and of course, then he just sold a ton that build way. a business there. Well, that's good. That's a good thing to do if you come into a new town to introduce yourself to those people. Because if somebody doesn't trust you, then you just be like, "Well, 
I heard that guy knows the mayor and also the chief of police and the guy who runs the newspaper. So he's got to be okay. He's got to be all right, dude. Now, like uh, most of our patent medicine salesmen uh, who didn't die of smallpox, the ones that lived um, were foiled by things like the, the FDA was formed. And uh, eventually we started to make laws about like what you could put in medicine and, what, and that you had to tell people what they were taking. And so a lot of these Boring. guys... So that's the end of our show. Uh, as you, as you heard there, it got kind of cut off. But uh, the only thing yeah, we said then it was it was basically the way Justin wants to end all of our shows, which is telling me that I'm boring and moving on. Uh, so now, <laughs> thank you, dear. Now we're recording a, a special, exclusive outro here next to where the baby is sleeping. So we're trying to be quiet. Yeah, you didn't miss much. We were just basically like, "Thank you so much," and then there was like a huge standing ovation, huge and like people ovation. like rushed the stage to hug us. It's gonna do it for us uh, until next Wednesday. I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.